Welcome to this week's edition of the Sportsaholic Podcast. Sean Conway, that was a lot of fun last time doing our uh, mock selections, 1 through 31. We're going to kind of get into that recap here in just a minute. But how are you doing? What's new in your world? And uh, happy birthday to Lindsay. I know she just had one. Yeah, she uh, she had her birthday on Sunday. We spent the weekend celebrating on our own since we have more friends coming to town next weekend to do a more of a, of a friend celebration for her birthday since it was her golden birthday this year and okay, cool. um, so it's it pretty funny actually you know I, I've mentioned before we are frequents at Tennessee Hills uh, distillery here down yes. in, in East Tennessee and uh, so Friday night we went to the distillery location in Jonesboro and uh, you know I had, a, I had a, just a couple drinks and then went back home and then um, Saturday we had a errand to run in Johnson City, so we went to Johnson City and hey, we, we wanted a beer before we went for lunch. We got a beer at the Tennessee Hills Brewstillery ro- a Brewstillery ro- location in Johnson City because you know why not? And then on Sunday, uh, you know, it was Lindsay's birthday, so mid afternoon. We went to Tennessee Hills Distillery in Jonesboro because we had nothing better to do. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's great. Oh, that's rich. Well, I'm glad you guys got a good tour of the distillery and a good tour then a little bit of the brewery. Nothing like getting that double dose, though, of the distillery. Triple dose of the weekend. Triple dose, And then we came home on Sunday after going to the the, uh, the distillery, and I made, for the first time ever, I attempted, for Lindsay's birthday dinner, I I made a beef wellington. That is a very, uh, very intricate type of uh, dish to make. Uh, came out great. I used a filet mignon. I went, I went nice. to the store and uh, I went, I went to Publix and the um, they cut the meat fresh there. If they don't, if you don't have it available on the shelves, and the shelves they had the, the mignons they had there were filet mignons they have on the on the shelf were questionable. So I asked him. I'm like, yeah, I want two filets. Two inch cut. He's like, oh, okay. Comes back and he gives me these hockey, like not even, like bigger than hockey pucks. I'm talking like softball sized, like um, like diameter for uh, a fully made uh. two inch cut. So huge. So we ended up only using one instead of making two, but it came out great. A little bit on the underside, um, but that's fine. I, I, I tend to like my my, my fully made a little bit more on the rare side. Flavor was fantastic, though. I don't like mushrooms. Neither does Lindsay, so we didn't include mushrooms into the uh, into the recipe. We used a different type of paste, which with uh, some onions, some garlic, some herbs, uh, with some olives, yeah. and olive oil, and I also wrapped it in some prosciutto as well before wrapping Ooh, in the puff pastry. That's a bonus. So it was, it was a really good flavor. It was all there. We had it with a side of mashed potatoes and some steamed green beans with a, uh, a Parmesan garlic uh, butter sauce. That sounds absolutely divine. Hey, anytime you can wrap something a little bit of prosciutto, you know you can check my name next to that list. Definitely. So that sounds fantastic. I'm not going to lie to you. I was distracted this weekend, Sean Conway, after watching Max and Max and mocking our own show and looking at everything. I just had to order a pizza and get a, a good old beef from Pops this weekend. I didn't do any cooking. I just watched football, uh, the draft. That's all I literally did was watch the draft. Every pick, as you all know, one through one, uh, two. 59 this year. Obviously, Bryce Young got us started as he was the first overall pick this year, followed by C.J. Stroud, which we 
did have those rights. So we'll get to that, though, in a minute. Um, I thought it was cool, though, to see, you know, Bryce Young go one overall. He seemed like he's a really humble kid. Obviously, you know a lot more about him than I do, as you got to watch him a lot more extensively the last two years. But, Sean, what was your just overall, what did you see in the uh, draft that you liked? Well, you know, not only that, that we were right for the first two picks, but it, that was actually the first time that two black quarterbacks were taken, you know, one and two overall. And not only that, but also seeing, you know, Anthony Richardson go, you know, third third quarterback was also a black quarterback taken in the draft, and that was fourth overall. So never seen that before in the draft. You know, Cam Newton, not Cam Newton, wow. That was uh, not even not even close to being the right one. So um, Michael Vick was the first black quarterback ever taken first overall back in the 2001 draft. That was followed by Jamarcus Russell, then Cam Newton, Jameis Winston, Kyler Murray, now Bryce Young. But obviously before then there was never a number two taken overall black quarterback. So it's kind of showing, uh, you know, a trend that I've been noticing over the last few years as, you know, historically the quarterback position has been dominated, predominantly, you know, white men being at, at the helm. And it's kind of evolving into needing a lot more of an athletic, you know, dual threat type of, of a quarterback's position. If you look at a lot of the rising stars throughout the league, Pat Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, Justin Fields. So you know, they're looking for the more mobile quarterbacks who can also throw a dart, you know, 70 yards. That's what we're seeing and we're starting to see more and more and I think it's it's showing how the game's kind of evolving and the position is evolving oh, no, itself you're too. you're absolutely right about that and I would think you know not so much maybe C.J. Stroud as he's to me more of just a pocket passer but Bryce Young and obviously sure. and, and obviously Anthony Richardson what those two will be uh, bring to the game with their feet and their ability like Bryce Young one of my favorite things about him is the ability to throw outside the pocket the way he can escape the uh, pocket and throw is one of the best things he can also obviously you use his feet another way. Anthony Richardson, you know, should be getting first downs and touchdowns with the amount of athleticism if he pans out. Because again, if you all know, I've had him as uh, the bust of this uh, draft, but we'll see kind of kind of obviously how that pans out. Um, looking after then number four, I, I go one spot down, Sean. It was cool for me to see my uh, boy Devon Witherspoon coming out of the University of Illinois go uh, top five. I've never in my lifetime seen one go, you know, top five in my lifetime, you know, that I can remember at least since the last 15 years since I've been watching the draft. So something to go out of U, U of I top five. Special for me. I know you get to see it every year. You, you know, got to see a few of your guys go. You, it's no nothing exciting for Sean when he sees uh, you know, three Bama goes top five. But for me to see one Illinois go, a guy go probably every 15, 20 years in the top five. Yeah, that was special for me. I, I uh, thoroughly enjoyed that moment. Okay, very cool. Now, uh, another thing I thought that was, that was one of, uh, my favorite moment of the, of the first round draft was Will Levis not getting taken in the first round. All those GMs and all those coaches saw that he put mayo in his coffee and he <laughs> ate banana peels. He ate the, the peels with the bananas. Yeah. Nah, that's that's a red flag. And it's like, no, that's that's you're losing your draft capital there. And. They had to take him in the second round. Yeah, I like that. I think that's exactly uh, why he did, why he fell. That's uh, that's for sure. Those videos were uh, when I saw those. I'm like, dude, why would you post that? Why would you make that public? That's something you should, nobody wants to see. And just keep it private. Your those eating habits, ugh, disgusting. Anyways, I say let's get on to our best selections or our most favorite selections before we get to our, of course, least favorite selections in the first round. We're talking about all 
only air Sean. I really actually had the Texans trading up uh, to go get Will Anderson at third as the best selection. We knew that they were thinking about it at two, but we realistically knew that they were going to take a quarterback at two, just knowing how far Indianapolis was away, and we knew for a fact that they were going to strike on a quarterback. So for them to kind of reach back up from 12 to three, not only did you get your quarterback of the future, but by taking Will Anderson, to me, you got the best probably player in this, and now you got to meet Nico Ryans, who's a you know first-year head coach, the motor of his defense. You know, hopefully for the next nine, ten years, you got the motor of that defense as well as your you know franchise quarterback. So I, I, I thought it was a win-win for the Texans. I really did. Yeah, definitely. You know, obviously, uh, you know, both you and I were both you know somewhat fans of uh, of the Bears' pick. Obviously, there might have been some uh, different options to take. We'll talk about that here on our next block. But for me, outside of that, my favorite pick would have. Had been the uh, the Falcons taking Bijan Robinson at eight overall. Robinson has great power, contact balance, and a good pass game. Um, yeah, has a good pass game traits, I should say. Atlanta has a run heavy offensive scheme, so I can see him making an, an immediate impact. Oh yes, and we'll kind of get to one of those predictions too with him. Uh, but no, I I like your uh, uh, that with Bijan Robinson too. Uh, they will uh, Arthur Smith will definitely get a lot of him as he did you know Derrick Henry when he used to run that offense in Tennessee. Um, let's talk about it, Sean. I think we actually did pretty good this year. I'm gonna give us. Wait, wait, before we before we go to our, our, our accuracy, we still have our least favorite picks. Oh, right. You're right. Sorry, least favorite. You are correct. Uh, least favorite picks, yes, because that, how could anyone have saw the, the this one coming, too? Will McDonald, the fourth, with only five sacks last year at Iowa State, going uh, to, of course, the Jets, the J-E-T-S. It's like, man... I just don't understand it with Nolan Smith and Miles Murphy on the board, Sean, as well as maybe even pairing like a Joey Porter Jr. with like a Sauce Gardner at the time, I think would have made more sense than Will McDonald. Look, I think McDonald's, you know, uh, got the size, you know, definitely has some of the, uh, you know, playmaking ability, but I didn't have him first round, let alone top 15. It just didn't speak my mind. Maybe late second, definitely a third round guy. But first round, top 15, that that left me with the hmm. But that's, again, most of the Jet selections. Well, sure. Now, I also um, had a similar uh, position to uh, complain about the edge rusher, obviously. So hmm. mine was the Packers taking Lucas Van Ness. Ah. That's not because I'm a Bears fan. This one just, just didn't make much sense to me. I get that they needed an edge rusher, but Van Ness could have very easily, you know, been, had another season in Iowa, honestly, to develop a little bit more. On top of that, yeah, he's, he's a large human being at 6'5", you know, 270, but I don't think he was a better edge rusher than, you know, Miles Murphy or even Will McDonald, the fourth, in my opinion, um, who were both still available at the time. So on top of that, I didn't think that getting some help from, or I thought that getting some help for an inexperienced Jordan Love would be more important. 
you know, to get, you know, to help the franchise, you know, recover from losing a Hall of Fame quarterback. I'm thrilled that they didn't, but, you know, I'm just kind of wild by it. <laughs> I'm not surprised that they went defense again in the first round. You're right. And I wasn't necessarily surprised it was Edge. But, yes, when they said Van S, again, I think Van S will be a great third pass rusher in the league. Like, I think if you got two good pass rushers, two starting pass rushers, that Van S is one of those guys that they could plug in and play at either side, give a little bit of boost. But that's your talking about your third edge rusher. I don't see him as a starting one. So, yeah, I think that was a, a poor selection as well. All right, so now, Sean. Now. Now <laughs> yes, you can get to more accuracy. No, yeah. Tell them how bad we did. Good and bad. I'm going to, again, I want to give us a little pat on the shoulders. We got... Six out of 32, and of those six, we got five of them with 100% accuracy. And here's what I mean. We obviously had Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud going one and two, which we got 100% correct. We had Skaronsky going 11th, which we had 100%. Same with Zay Flowers at 22, and Brian Brazee at uh, 29. We had Will Anderson going third, but we did not foresee, obviously, Houston coming up. We had the Cardinals taking him. But since we still have him third, you know, overall, we have to give ourselves a couple points there. So overall, Sean, you know, uh, a lot of people were saying, you know, since coronavirus, these last three drafts have been really tough to predict. And since there wasn't, you know, that number one staple quarterback or even really that number one staple um like tackle the offensive tackle that it kind of really messed these boards up this year. So to be honest with you, I think getting six with five again with the hundred percent accuracy is not too bad. And remember, and I really fucked this one up too. I'll really I'll say this too. At twenty eight, um, we had Nolan Smith because he was the best player on that board. Go and I had them good, uh, Cincinnati taking him because of only thirty sacks. But I told myself just wait two picks, just wait two picks, wait two picks and what happens, we didn't wait two picks and of course he goes to the Eagles at 30th who we had Keely Ringo going there who fell then all the way to the Eagles but in the fourth round yep, okay and did you did you do the point system like we talked about or you're just talking about the, the I did. No, I so I, I gave us a, a, a if we scored it with um, a negative five for or a, you know minus five for a wrong trade, and then you know doing the correct selections at plus three and the wrong selections at the at their natural spots at minus two, we came out with a negative thirty three. Okay. So so pretty, still pretty bad. Still pretty bad. Yeah, still not great. Okay. No. Still in the minus, my friend. I was trying to put a positive spin to it. But either way, uh, let's talk about our favorite team, the Chicago Bears. But before we do that, we're going to have to take a quick break here. And as always, we're going to have Mr. Jason James taking us out, this time with his song, Danny Be Cool, right here on the Sportsolic Podcast.
And we're back here on the Sports Hog Podcast. All right, Sean, we're going to talk a little bit more football here before we're not going to actually be talking too much more until, you know, training camp. Let's talk about our beloved Bears. I'm going to give them, to be honest with you, an B plus. A minus. And I know a lot of people are going to question that, Sean, but I'm actually feeling pretty good with what we did, especially with our 10th pick and Darnell Wright to protect Justin Fields. I'll get into a little bit more, but we're, do, you, do you think I'm nuts for saying B plus, A minus, or are you in kind of in my same boat, I guess? Max, if I could show you my notes, the last sentence I had was I'd give them a solid A minus, B plus. <laughs> so, to be honest, you know, it was a bit stunning that the Bears would trade down and pass up on Jalen Carter. Easily the best talent in this draft, but their focus was on protection for fields. That's very apparent. And that's why they got Darnell Wright, a solid right tackle. They already had their left tackle. They just needed a right tackle and probably some more pieces. I still <laughs> yeah, think that, uh, center. Uh, yeah, I think Peter Skronsky probably could have been a better fit. He was still available. Um, but, you know, Paris Johnson Jr. was already off the board, the one we had, you know, wanted for. Javon Dexter Sr. and Zach Pickens will bolster the run defense that allowed 157 rush yards per game last year, and as well as adding two cornerbacks in Tyreek Stevenson and Terrell Smith to an already up-and-coming cornerback group. Like I said, I agree with you here. A-, A minus B plus. The only thing I was a little disappointed in, nothing against Garvin Dexter, but when John Michael Schmitz, the center, is there, I just really wanted us to complete that offensive line for Justin Fields. And we really don't have any center depth. It's like Lucas Patrick or Doug Kramer, or, you know, who was a rookie last year and spent the whole year on IR and, you know, was, you know, so you know, so at, you know, Illinois. And I can say that since I did see him. So I, that was okay, though, because, like you said, they did take uh, Garvin Dexter and they took that. Zach Pickens. They're going to learn under you know Andrew Billings and Justin Jones probably for this season, but you know, pencil them as starters in 2024 is my thought. And again, Eberflus's system, Matt Eberflus, that coach, his uh, you know whole defense revolves along that three-tech, as well as getting, uh, you know, having really good corners and a good you know length of corners and depth, which now they do have, like you said, by adding uh, the two that they did over the weekend. So, do I think the Bears are going to be in Super Bowl mode Chicago next year? No, I don't. And to be honest, right now, I don't even think they're a playoff team, Sean. Um, but I do think they're in the right direction. And, you know, you know, and just an early thought, you know, 6-11, 7-10, but, you know, kind of bear with the process, literally. That's a, you know, no pun intended, but bear with it. Let uh, Ryan Poles, uh, you know, try to work some magic. To, and understand, again, we have two first-round picks next year. So, you know, I think we're in the right direction, I guess, as well on that. The pun intended for this rebuild? Bear down <laughs> with us. Uh, yes. There we go. Yes, there well, we go. Put. well so put. So let's move on here yes. to our winners and losers of this year's draft. I'll go ahead and go first. For my winner, I had the Cincinnati Bengals. They had a really solid draft class, including second-round pick cornerback DJ Turner from Michigan, along with their late-round late first-round pick in Miles Murphy, and a smart safety in Jordan Battle in the third round. Defense is what they needed to get to the Super Bowl, and that's what exactly what went out and got there. 
Only thing I didn't like was they didn't really get any linemen in this draft to get more protection for Burrow, something they really, other than they really struggled with last year. He was constantly, you know, getting rushed and getting sacked. So they needed protection. They didn't go after that. Maybe they go after that in free agency this offseason. No, I agree with that. They should have probably taken more stabs at that offensive line because, again, at some point he is going to get sacked and probably hurt in the wrong direction. Also, my uh, uh, boy Chase Brown, uh, both the Brown brothers, here, one of them I'm about to talk about, but the Brown brothers from Illinois got to go uh, to the NFL, Chase going to the Bengals, and uh, his brother, uh, which I love, going to the Eagles, who are my winners. Uh, Sidney Brown was the 66th pick, but before we get to that, holy smokes, what the Eagles did, or I should say the Bulldogs, essentially, of Philadelphia, because, wow, they traded for DeAndre Swift. First off, then they bring in Jalen Carter, who they moved up the one spot with us for, who we, you know, mentioned. Then at 30, they took Nolan Smith. I mean, holy smokes, is that a great start. They traded their second round pick, um, but they got Tyler Steen in the third round, your boy from Alabama, very good offensive lineman. They got, again, my boy in Sydney Brown with the 66 pick. Then they moved up to go get another Bulldog in the fourth round in Keeley Ringo. So, holy smokes, Tanner McKee, good pick in the sixth round for them. And even uh, Mora Jomo in the seventh round. I thought from rounds literally one through seven, they got pretty much in every round except for round two when they traded out of that position. But holy smokes, man, especially with Carter and Smith now there, take it Jordan Davis last year. Look for the Eagles to be super competitive for about the next three to four seasons, I would think. With, with the uh, talent they've got, I can see the, the Eagles being the new NFC team to beat for uh, the next couple of years. The losers of this year's draft was a team that was, you know, starting to do an up and coming. And then the uh, the tampering kind of hurt their draft capital for uh, for this year. Um, the Dolphins, that's, that's who I have losing. Obviously not having that first round pick hurts, but only getting four players in this year's draft, along with only getting four players in last year's draft, that does not help a team to improve that's now in a division with the Bills, the Aaron Rodgers Jets, and Bill Belichick. No, and a lot of dead cap money coming to them over there. Not that, exactly. This is going to have to be a true winning year with what you have in place, or you're going to have to probably shift a lot of those pieces, maybe Tua, maybe even Tyreek Hill, because this is probably a one and done. And again, like you said, it's going to be a very hard obstacle in that division. Uh, how about this? Thank God the losers, it's the Lions in my opinion. And don't get me wrong, they got some good players, but the way they acquired them to me was mind-boggling. Again, you move down from 6 to 12, and your first selection is Jameer Gibbs, who, again, you know from Alabama. Sean, I think he's a phenomenal player. I really do. And essentially, you got rid of DeAndre Swift. The Eagles, you had to bring somebody in there, but not at pick 12. That is extremely, extremely rich. And he's not close to me like B. John Robinson, who went just a few spots before him. I think there's a huge drop-off. Um, and again, yeah, I think he's a I'd good agree. player too. But um, Jack Campbell at 18, the first linebacker, I thought that was probably the biggest reach of any positioning group. Again, some good linebackers there. And I know you guys like Jack Campbell, but 
at 18. No, thank you. Sam Laporta, the other Iowa kid, going 34th, uh, uh, 34th overall. But then Michael Mayer, who we had as the best tight end, and I still think he's going to be the best tight end of this class, go literally one pick later to Vegas at 35. Um, you know, I I don't mind their Brian Branch. Again, another Alabama. How many more times are we going to say Alabama players on this show today? But Brian Branch, I well, thought, was decent. And, hey, Hendon Hooker's quite the gamble at, at 68, but you did it in the third round, so it's appropriate. But the way this team is building, I just didn't think they took exactly the right the right steps to really, you know, kind of put them over the hump, which is what I expected them to do this draft, uh, you know, to be uh, finally a division champ in the NFC North. Yeah, I, I can agree. They had some. I, I, I do. I do wonder how Hendon Hooker is going to develop because you know, obviously tearing the ACL, you never know how they're going to return and how well they're going to be able to uh, the stability of it from there on out. It's always in question. So. I do, uh, I do agree with you that they had questionable ones. I, I, I do think they had some good picks too, though, so I wouldn't call them necessarily the biggest losers. That's why I obviously would have the Dolphins over them. Anyways, uh, we got one more segment here before closing out our talks. Let's rapid fire do our Rookie of the Year uh, predictions for offensive and defensive players of the uh, rookies of the year. I got Bryce Young and Jalen Carter. Oh, for offenses and rookie. Yeah, I think it'll be Bijan Robinson and Will Anderson. Only reason I like Bijan is you know he's going to get the touches. And we, again, it, you've seen it with Will Anderson. He's probably once in a generational type linebacker. So, sure. I, I know, just, yeah, that's my easy, quick one. With Bryce Young for me, you know, he's a difference maker immediately for the Panthers. Like I said last week, I, they're in a bad division. I could see them winning the division with Bryce Young at the helm. Um, what about you for uh, well, who's your loser? Or, or your, uh, not loser, your defensive player of the year. Yeah, Will year. Anderson. I, I mean, again, oh, Will Anderson, you said yeah. that. Sorry. I'm, I'm no, you're that. good. That's all right. Again, we're getting a little tired here, as you can see, on the Sports Log podcast. It's both the end of the work days for me and Sean as we're hopping on here, but we're going to hop off for just a second here. And on the flip side of this, we got NBA and NHL playoffs update, desperately update here on the Sportsolic Podcast with Max Zucker and Sean Conway. You can't buy a best friend. You can love them, walk them, pet them, and care for them, whether they want you to or not. You can take a picture or 50. You can fly to the moon, travel the world, or just stay in bed. You can't buy a best friend like that, but you can adopt one. There are millions of pets waiting for a best friend just like you. Help us save them all at bestfriends.org. Welcome back for another lap here on the Sportsaholics podcast. Max, NBA and NHL playoffs are in full gear. Let's start with the NBA. I'll start to go out of the East, give everyone a quick update of where we're at since we're starting the second round now for most of the, uh, or for the East, I should say, at this point. So Miami versus Milwaukee in the first round. Miami became the first play-in tournament team to win a playoff series and just the fifth eighth seed to take out a one seed in the playoffs. Taking out the Bucks in overtime in Game Five behind Jimmy Butler's 42-point performance, they were uh, they are now facing the New York Knicks, who took out the Cavs in five games. The Heat have a one-game lead on the series with a 108 to 101 win on Sunday. Game two is tonight with tip-off about. 40 minutes away from now with it just being 10 minutes to the hour here. 
And outside of that, we had Philadelphia and Brooklyn. The 76ers made quick work of the Nets, taking them out in four games to advance to the second round, where they remain unbeaten in the playoffs behind James Pardon's career-high 45 points Monday over the Celtics, who took out the Falcons, or the Falcons, the Hawks, the other Atlanta team, the Hawks, in six games. Max, what's happening in the West? Yeah, I was going to say, we've had a lot of draft to know. I know, uh, but anyways... uh, uh, the Lakers, how about they oust the Grizzlies in six games and absolutely wallop them in game six? Was not even fun to watch. 125 to 85, my friend. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, no, no fun. Um, they are going to play uh, Golden State, who beat the Kings in seven games. Man, I was really pulling for the Kings, who, if you remember, were coming off a 16 year playoff drought. It was a good series, but again, Golden State getting uh, the best of this and the NBA too because now you got Steph versus LeBron. It's actually something to watch and the series begins tonight uh, on TNT. This will be on a little bit after the game once I post it but uh, I kind of like Steph and Kodu to beat the Lakers in six here my friend. Uh, Elsewhere um, I'm not going to recap the other first round teams because the Nuggets already have a 2-0 series lead versus the Suns. Um Game one, Denver won uh, 125-107. And then in last night's Monday's contest, it was a 97-87, to 87, uh, again, in favor of Denver. Jokic, my friend, 39 points, 19, and, uh, 16 rebounds. And he really needed to step up as Jamal Murray and Michael Porter Jr. combined to miss 17-22 shots. So Jokic and company, again, now have a 2-0 lead over the side. Okay. Now let's go over to the slick stuff here. No, uh, no, no breaks here. There's fell to a three-one deficit <laughs> no, in the series. Stuff. Then surged back in five, six, and then game seven, making an overtime win, four to three in Game 7 that would send the best regular season team home with a very early playoff exit. And that was uh, probably the best Bruins teams we've seen since, like, 2005, I want to say. Yes. 13, well, 2008 when they won, and then 2013 when they lost to the Hawks. They kind of had that with Tuka Rass for a while before he eventually retired. They had a nice little run there. But, yeah, I mean, with Brad, I mean, I said this a few weeks ago, Sean, on the podcast. I said, I'm not sold on Boston winning it. I'm not even sold on making it past the first round. I think there's going to be, you know, a very hot team that beats them. And that's why I love the Stanley Cup playoffs. That's why I do. Anything could happen. It's magic. And then we had we had the Maple Leafs and the Lightning. They, the the Panthers will be facing the Maple Leafs, who are in their first playoff series win since 2004, after taking down the Tampa Bay Lightning in six. That one was also in overtime fashion. So a lot of overtime going out here in the East. We had uh, a little bit different. We had another overtime was uh, on Friday when the Hurricanes took down the Islanders uh, on um, in Game Six of that series to advance on and then they'll be facing the uh, New Jersey Devils who took out the New York Rangers in a winner take all game 7 Monday night this week in a dominant fashion shutting them out 4 nothing for their first playoff series win since losing the Stanley Cup in 2012 
Oh, wow. Okay, that's crazy. Well, how about this first uh, uh, Stanley Cup playoffs series victory ever for the Seattle Kraken, my friend? And not only that, they beat last year's champs in the Avalanche in an action-packed seven-game series. Uh, The Kraken, my friend, become the first expansion team to beat a reigning Stanley Cup champion in their inaugural playoff series, of course. Uh, Colorado, though, uh, you got to be shamed and, you know, get the uh, finger wagged at you essentially as you were two and 18 on power plays uh the entire series i don't think you can expect to win a series again being two and 18 on the power play uh the kraken well they will play dallas who ousted the wild in six games um the wild my friend continued to have just a bad playoff uh history as a franchise as they just sit Yep, four and thirteen all time uh, series wise in the Stanley Cup playoffs. Just four and thirteen. So that kind of that uh, kind of uh, was expected. I kind of like the Kraken to stay hot. I think they'll beat Dallas in five. That series starts tonight. Uh, the Oilers uh, they defeated the Kings in six games. Thank God, because I still hate the Kings from all those years ago. Um, their main man, of course, Connor McDavid, would have three goals and seven assists in the series. Uh, while Vegas, uh, they whooped the Jets in five games. Vegas, now, uh, this will be their fourth time, Sean, since they entered the uh, NHL as the 31st team that they will appear in the second round of the playoffs since they entered the league in 2017 2018. Hmm. Yeah, we were hmm. talking about that. Just, if they end yeah. up or if they end up winning the Stanley Cup, rigged. Mm. Rigged. Rigged, right. And, by the way, Sean, I'll say Vegas and six, just so that we can have a little more discussion. But I like Vegas and six, and, again, the Kraken in five here. Uh, again, little series starting tonight, and the other one, uh, I believe, tomorrow night. So Correct. So we're going to take another break here on the Sports Walk podcast. On the flip side of this, we're going to go over all things MLB, the first month of the regular season. We'll go over the winners and losers so far. You're listening to Sports Hawks Podcast with Max Zucker and Sean Conway. All across the country, people are coming together to speed up what we can learn about health. The All of Us Research Program is calling on one million people to join us as we try to change the future of health. For your family, for future generations, for all of us. Visit joinallofus.org and find out how you can become one in a million. And we're back here on the Sportsaholics podcast. Max, as I was mentioning before break, one month into the MLB regular season. So kind of starting to see where, where teams are looking at the start of the season. And in the American League, it was two very apparent teams. There was a winner and a loser. And they played each other this weekend. And the winners won most of the games. <laughs> yes, they that did. the Tampa Bay Rays. Tampa had the absolute hottest start of the season across the league, winning their first 13 games that tied an MLB record while also remaining near impossible to beat at home. Currently 14-2 in Tampa Bay, 23-6 overall after taking 3-4 against the White Sox to close out the month. And that who is I have as the losers. I have a right to be a little angry with them. This is the window of contention they talked about for years throughout all of that terrible shit years they go through through the rebuild, then they've looked absolutely just abysmal. Triple A team at best. 
you know, all the bad shit that happened from last season is just apparently carried over into this season. It's, it's impossible to watch between injuries, lack of hustle, lack of offense. It's not what fans were expecting to see during the window of contention. You know, admittedly, I, I, I drank the Rick Hahn organizational Kool-Aid <laughs> during the rebuild with all the pipeline hype. But between the bad free agency signings, the borderline bust of prospects we got, poor managerial moves, obviously. This team has just been a massive letdown. Finishing April, snapping a 10-game losing streak in a pitching optional 12-9 game win over the Rays on Sunday. They're 8-1 in April. 8-21 in April, I should say. Yeah, I was going to say they ain't 8-1. They're definitely 8-21. and 21. Uh, Being in Chicago, as you no longer uh, are here, man, the the joy it gives me to look at all the depressed Sox fans every day. Not that the Cubs are doing great at 14-13, and 13, but it is a little bit fun because I thought this window of opportunity, sir, would be a lot longer. And I think it's going to be a lot shorter, especially if they don't re-sign you know, Tim Anderson, which I don't see Jerry Pone out $200 million at this point to go sign him. Once he goes and then two, you know, after 2024, that whole team's going to go completely down the pipeline, my friend. So I agree they are the biggest yep. losers for the fact, again, that they should have way more. With the players on their roster, whether if we think they're busts or they're playing that the way that they shouldn't, again, Luis Robert not hustling down the line the other day was abysmal for your team. But whether if we think these players are not, they should not be where Kansas City and Detroit are. They are a better organization. These are better players. I don't know what's going on on the south side, but it's definitely not good. It's not good. I I think we know what the problem is, but nothing's going to happen until Rick Hahn sells the team. Jerry, Ryan, so, so. Rick Hahn, Jerry yes. sells the team and gets rid of Rick Hahn and, and, and Kenny Williams. That experiment has not worked out. Um, let's go over to your winners and losers now from the National well, clearly, League. Clearly, the Pittsburgh Pirates, 20-9, the best record in uh, the National League right now. I believe the best in baseball. They're plus 40. Uh, well, 23-6 and six would be better. Uh, yeah, besides the Rays, excuse me, besides the Rays, who, by the way, that's really right, what should be the full focal point, them and the Pittsburgh team, uh, plus 48 run differential, my friend, uh, fifth in runs and batting average, uh, they're 8-2 uh, and two over their last 10 games, and this is really why they're uh, this good, Sean, already through the month of April, they had 18 quality starts, 18 quality starts from a pitching staff that I said was junk and might make 18 quality starts through the entire MLB campaign this year was what I was thinking. So for them to do that in the month of... um April, I think, has been good. I also think it was great that they brought back um, Andrew McCutcheon, the familiar face. He's having a decent year, hitting over 250 with five home runs and 14 driven in. But he kind of brings the spark to that plug. Ever since they let go of McCutcheon, that team has been uh, abysmal. I know he's at the tail end, but I still thought it was great. And at the real tail end, at age 43, how about Rich Hill, 3-2 and two with the 418 ERA, the 32 innings pitch with 27 strikeouts. Again, he's still doing it. And then my losers, uh, the Giants. 
11 and 17. Seems like, Sean, the Giants are always in the mix. You know, I know it's early this year, but a 4.85 ERA is 24th in baseball. The hitters are hitting 270 against them, which is uh, absolutely wild to me. And Logan Webb, who they just gave a five-year, $90 million extension to, is only one in five in his six starts this year. So that's been kind of uh, a, a, a disappointment there for the fans in San Fran. For sure. Now, um, real quick, we got some injury updates to go through. I'll go back to the White Sox. Tim Anderson has been out since April 10th with a sprained knee. And, you know, one of the biggest issues, I think, with the clubhouse right now is they're, they're in need of a leader, and that's what Tim Anderson will bring back when he returns today. He is set to return to the lineup for tonight's game that got underway here, or gets underway in about three minutes. Um, and I think he immediately will help, at least on the offense, hopefully. Also, there's no timetable uh, set for him. Uh, Liam Hendricks is hopeful to return sometime soon. He announced he's in remission and cancer-free last month during his uh, final round of chemo, and he's been out uh, working out at Camelback Ranch as well in Arizona. So that's good to see. It's, it's, it's indicated that he should be returning soon. I know Yohan Mankata's been out as well. I'm not sure what the timetable on his return is here. I don't think he's been um, – I don't think he's returned to uh, the minor league play yet either. So he. And I don't, do you even really want him to know. return Jake to major Berger, league Jake play? Jake like play a little bit better uh, offensively right. and then defensively, obviously not as good. But I mean, <laughs> you can't win games <laughs> that don't score runs. Right, the only good thing that's coming out of that clubhouse is whatever, you know, the great diagnoses and the great updates we keep getting on Liam Hendricks. That is the only thing to look forward to, I think, at this point for you guys. And I do, of course, wish uh, Hendricks to get back on the mound as soon as he is, uh, you know, feeling like he's ready to, if and, and or at all. Uh, how about Mike H- uh, Hendricks and Kyle Hendricks? He is actually starting tonight for the Iowa Cubs. He made one start earlier but gave up six runs over an inning and two-thirds so this is his second time around in Iowa Uh, he is expected to be back later this month though however which is a good sign for the Cubs who again are sitting right about 500 Uh, great first start to the half not uh, not the last week anyways um, how about Bryce Harper who had Tommy John surgery in November he is also coming back tonight as well um, after 159 days, which my friends is the quickest for an MLB player to ever recover from a Tommy John surgery. Granted, he's not a pitcher. Uh, he beat out Tony Womack, the former infielder, who had 182 days to come back. So he did it in 23 days quicker, and they will definitely uh, want this guy back in their lineup in 99 games last year. He had 286 with 13 home runs and fi- uh, 65 RBIs. That's incredible. He's returning 159 days after his Tommy John GGS. surgery. So that's that's going to be fun to watch. He's going to help that strong Philly team uh, make a surge here, you know, coming up in the, uh, the, the middle half of the first half of the season. One last story, uh, longtime 
St. Louis Cardinal broadcaster Mike Shannon has died. Shannon passed away Saturday at the age of 83. This man was all about St. Louis, born and raised in the city, played eight seasons with the Cardinals as a third baseman and an outfielder, won two World Series titles with them, and then would go on to be the voice of the Cardinals for nearly 50 years. I know the Cardinals wasn't our, our favorite teams, and you know, I'm going to be honest, he wasn't my favorite broadcaster either, but he was an icon to their to their franchise, and you know, our, uh, you know, we'll send our condolences to the to the, the Cardinals community. And with that, we're going to wrap things up. On the flip side of this, Max is going to have some trivia. I'll have a drink of the week, go over what we missed, and, you know, some fight corner and, and tease and close. That's the entire that's the entire rundown for Block 5. I'm giving it to you straight. You're listening to the Sportsholics Podcast with Max Zucker and Sean Conway. There are a few things Max or I like more than tossing back a few beers and watching the game. But don't worry, if you happen to miss the game, we've got your back. Tune in to the Sports Hall Podcast with myself, Max Zucker, alongside Sean Conway, with new episodes available weekly on SoundCloud. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter to stay up to date with new shows and our occasional takes on things happening in the sports world throughout the week. We're back here for the final lap today on the Sports Hog Podcast. Sean, I actually don't have a trivia for qu- question for you unless you Aww. unless you can read my mind and tell me who I'm thinking will be the top five players next year selected and the top five overall next year. Um, all of them are from Alabama. Actually, believe it or not, this time I don't have one from Alabama going to the top well, five. Well, boo. <laughs> yeah, I didn't think you'd think this one is fun. Uh, next year, though, I really believe this, and we've actually hit on a few of these the year before. We hit on Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud and Will Anderson this year, so we were three for five already from our early predictions. Let's see if we can make some of that true for next year's Magic as well. Number one, I believe, going wherever he ends up, uh, whoever has the number one pick, I think Caleb Williams out of USC, that quarterback is going to be a franchise guy for years to come. Uh, the son of one of my favorite receivers, Marvin Harrison. How about Marvin Harrison Jr. going somewhere? I think, of course, I Ohio State. He will be a beast uh, just like his father. Uh, Drake May, the quarterback from U, uh, from UNC uh, from North Carolina. Maybe this one will pan out, right, Mitch? <laughs> Unlikely. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Did have 45 touchdowns, though, last year in all in all, Sean. So let's see how he does. Olu Fashanu, one of my favorite names. Uh, the left tackle out of Penn State. I think he'll be that guy. I think he could have entered this year and would have been a top pick. So, And then a guy that you know I love talking about that's Mr. Brack Bowers the tight end out of Georgia because that guy can do everything on the field he can block, he can catch he's one of the best tight ends I've ever seen the player uh, play at the collegiate, um, you know, tight end collegiately. Alright Sean let's, uh, we'll focus on that essentially about 359 days though from here on out. <laughs> for shirts. So what do you got for us? For the drink of the week, um, I've featured a handful of these beers before on the show. The, the the Goose Island Beer Hug IPA Variety Pack. Well, they have a different beer in it this spring when they rolled them out. And this one is the Juicy Beer Hug Hazy IPA. It's got a 7.3% ABV. And it comes in a green can, if that makes a difference. I'm going to pop it open and give you a live react. It's a very refreshing IPA. On the, the juicier, fruitier side, you get those tropical notes for sure. Good. 
Um, but definitely, since it has a higher ABV, it's one of those beers that could be, could, could be dangerous if you had a lot of them. Yeah, those IPAs can really mess with you, my friend, one way or the other. You, you know what I mean? You feel like you've, you had three, but somehow in the end of it, you feel like you had about seven because of the alcohol percentage. And yeah, a lot of those fruity ones, they get you because they're so good. And you can just buy another sip. And then, right, you've had four, which turns out to be eight. <laughs> so <laughs> don't drink and drag. Sure, Stay home tonight, young man. Stay home. <laughs> Now, um, what did we miss on the show this week? We went over a lot, so what did we miss? Yes, we missed one of my favorite things that we definitely would have talked about if it wasn't for the Stanley Cup playoffs, and that, my friend, is Snoop Dogg, Snoop D-O-double-G, one of my favorite uh, people of all time. He is going to be uh, taking a bid as long as, uh, uh, with, I should say, businessman uh, Nico Sparks to buy the Ottawa Senators. So Snoop would like to become a part-time owner, again, of the hockey team, the Ottawa Senators. Uh, obviously, he's going to probably need a little bit more of Nico's money to make that more official. Uh, but he uh, confirmed this on an Instagram post Monday saying, amazing what Nico Sparks is trying to do in Ottawa. I'm looking forward to being a part of that ownership team. I want to bring uh, hockey back to our community. So very very cool, Snoop. I hope you get the bid. Uh, we talked about one guy returning from Tommy John surgery, obviously that being Bryce Harper. However, uh, uh, Colorado right-handed starter uh, Jermaine Marquez will go under Tommy John surgery here in the next week, and that will obviously conclude the rest of his 2023 uh, campaign. Marquez has been with the Rockies, to my friends, since uh, 2016, and is 2-2 two two, uh, with an ERA of 495 uh, this year before, again, his uh, season got the hook. Um, another guy is going to definitely be getting the hook. Another guy we talked a few years ago on our podcast about being a first-rounder and another Alabama guy that you know well, and that's uh, former Las Vegas Raiders receiver Henry Ruggs III. Um, he is going to plead guilty, my friend, in that fatal DUI crash. Not, not shocking. Yeah. Um, he is going to be serving anywhere between three to ten years in the Nevada State Prison. Um, Ruggs attended the hearing uh, uh, yesterday, and when um, the judge asked him if he understood what the proceedings were, he said, yes, your honor, quote-unquote. So that's, uh, that's one guy who did not pan out for being naughty, my friend. Yeah, that was that was not a good not a good look. No. Now, um, circling back to the uh, Ottawa Senators, I also saw that actor Ryan Reynolds had put in a billion dollar bid to buy the Ottawa Senators as well. And as many know, he actually recently purchased a struggling um, soccer team in in, in Wales, uh, the Wrexham Football Club, and he's actually turned them around. They're now in the um, they're, they're now in the next level up from what they were shooting for um, league wise. Um, after winning uh, one of their matches here recently, I don't follow soccer as much. Yeah, I was so surprised you knew all that. Much. It, but I'm like, man, look at that, Sean Conway. But but the, but yeah, they 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 recently did that. So he's looking to he's looking to take over the uh, the, the the sports admin you know side. He's going to own a, a football team with he owns it with Rob McElhenney from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, and then uh, and then you know obviously if he bought the Senators, that'd be that'd be just absolutely crazy. Uh, another thing, this just in, Max, the sports gods 
are blessing us today. What do we, oh boy. This just in. What do we got? A winner for the NBA MVP Ooh, award has been announced. Is it Jokic? For the 2023 suit. It's not Jokic. Damn it. <laughs> 76ers Joel Embiid well wins the 2023 well MVP award. He averaged 33.1 points a game and 10.2 rebounds this season. So, you know what? He definitely deserves that. Going in the fight corner, we do have UFC 288 this weekend that features uh, a um, a belt uh, joining between uh, the bantamweight main event between Aljamain Sterling and Henry Cejudo, who is coming out of retirement for this but this fight to merge the belts. Uh, so we're going to see pretty good showdown there for the main event. The welterweight co-main events between Bilal Muhammad and Gilbert Burns, who is just an absolute animal. I'm looking for a good fight there. Not really any other big names on this card, uh, but outside of that, boxing news, former boxing heavyweight champion Dante the, Bron- the bronze bomber Wilder has been arrested on felony concealed weapons charges. More, Not enough information has been released here at this time, but that's all I really have. Uh, outside of that, Nate Diaz has another... No, Nate, Nate Diaz has another fight, but it's with the, the the most vile human. He they announced a boxing match between him and Jake Paul coming up in August, and I'm just tired of him fighting beat up retired UFC fighters in the boxing ring. It's, it's all rigged. It's all rigged. I hate it. That's how this whole world's just feeling now. Just a little bit rigged. But either way, we always appreciate Jason James on the podcast for providing his music to our weekly fans and listeners. We truly do appreciate you. And please keep it listening. Sean Conway, always fun to finalize the draft process with you, sir. Think again, Chicago's going to at least be looking a little bit uh, on the bright side. Yeah, you know, it, it was a, a decent draft. I'm happy with that. I'm glad we got to, uh, to do two shows back-to-back. We're not going to be able to do a show next week, so it's good to get two shows in. I mentioned that Lindsay's uh, birthday celebrations are leaking into next week, and we've got an Airbnb, and I'm going to be busy through Monday evening. I have the day off, and I believe you, Max, that you have Tuesday through Friday the, the following the following week booked up too. So we're going to take another break, maybe uh, reconvene the following Sunday, but we are going to uh, do our own thing for the next week, Max. Yes, absolutely. No, I have a couple things. I'm meeting up actually after work with like a couple, one of my cousins, a, a friend's coming in town who I haven't seen in about four years. So it's going to be kind of a, uh, a shit show of a week here, but let's again call this a wrap today, Sean, as we are going to take off the next week. So again, uh, hopefully, uh, hopefully the Cubs will be in a little bit better of a predicament. Zach's probably not, but either way, signing off for the lovely Sean Conway and his beloved oh, yeah. White Zach for the season. I'm Max Zucker, and this has been the Sports Talk Podcast.